This podcast episode is powered by Afropods, the world's number one podcasting platform for African stories. Hello, everybody, and welcome to We Are Curious. So it's been a fascinating week full of a lot of things happening in Africa, in Kenya, in the world. And uh, to just dive right into it, uh, we don't want to waste a lot of time today. <laughs> so um, we do have a lot of discussions to go through uh, from the COVID vaccine in Kenya, from the Safaricom Wahala, with uh, the fair usage issue to Africans joining multilateral bodies and uh, the crypto bans across the continent, the Facebook Wahala in Australia, um, and a whole lot of things. So without much ado, I just want to say special thanks to one of our guests today, uh, Papa. Uh, so he's going to be joining us and discussing a lot of the things that we get to talk about. And uh, without much ado, okay, you have to edit that part of it. Actually, that goes. That is that's a new man. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, and without much ado, let's just drive right into it. So, uh, regarding COVID-19, uh, we've seen the threat down in Tanzania rising. Uh, so the number of cases undocumented and obviously without official government data going up. Um, there's a very interesting piece today done by David Peeling in the Financial Times uh, on COVID-19 cases and that the government of Tanzania has asked its citizens to dedicate themselves to the Lord and pray that the cases of COVID-19 come down. It's obviously a very, very uh, difficult situation, not just for the country, but uh, for nations across the continent, obviously with the danger of different variants coming up, with the danger of those cases spreading across our nation and other nations, the neighbor TZ, and even across the world. So, but then again, we have to give kudos to the African governments uh, for coming together and deciding that by next month, by next week actually, Majority of the nations are going to be receiving, uh, I think, about 16 million doses uh, across the entire continent. And that's just a very important first step. But then uh, my thing is, what does everyone feel about this pandemic? And do you feel like African governments have done enough, not just to tackle this from an economic perspective, but also from a healthcare perspective? And importantly, from a security perspective, because we cannot underlook uh, the value of having a security framework around uh, dealing with a pandemic. And I think Papa would potentially go fast on this. Uh, <laughs> I have to put you on the spot, bro. I, I think it's only fair. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, it's a tough question. Um, I think African governments have reacted differently to the pandemic. The, the complexity of the pandemic is that it challenges uh, health issues. Um, so essentially the healthcare systems of our countries, but it also challenges uh, the economic fundamentals of some of the countries in terms of uh, fiscal deficit and, um, and, and, and also in terms of the revenues that the countries would get. I think most countries in Africa has actually uh, responded quite adequately to the pandemic uh, by supporting uh, countries and, uh, and, and, and people in many different ways. Uh, by injecting liquidity and also making sure uh, that uh, people still have access to uh, you know, mobility, which is very important in most African countries. So I would say that in general, the response has been relatively adequate in many countries. Uh, some countries have started receiving uh, vaccines. Countries such as Senegal are already rolling out uh, uh, sure you're proud of that i saw president Macky Sali spoke about that today yes i think it happened yesterday or something yeah like yeah yeah so i think overall the response has been adequate but we still need to be very prudent to make sure that the short-term economic uh, consequences don't turn into long-term structural issues for our countries especially when it comes to managing uh, debt levels um, I don't know if, Eric, what do you think about it? Um, obviously, countries are investing hugely towards uh, acquiring vaccine vaccines, and there's obviously this very huge fear. We did see our Cabinet Secretary of Defense right today to the UN about um, vaccine nationalism uh, and that worry about vaccine nationalism becoming a real issue. I don't know if you have any opinions around how nations are um, trying to figure out this vaccine issue and how potentially that would um, affect economic recovery going forward. 
interesting. Uh, what stood out for me in the week, I think, was uh, Rwanda was one of the first countries in the week, I think, to... to an, Rwanda was one of the first countries, uh, one of the first uh, countries in Africa, I think, to announce that they'll be receiving their doses uh, this week. I think that's one thing that really stood out for me. And then uh, what also stood out for me was this, this sort of optimism around global markets in terms of uh, the potential of if vaccines are ro are rolled out across the world, then economies will rebound and will some sort of go back to where we were from an economic standpoint. Yes. Does anyone yeah. have an opinion from a healthcare perspective? Because obviously there's that one fear of um, these vaccines, right? Yeah. Um, have they been tested enough and have they potentially work to understand uh, our genetic composition as Africans and, 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 and all those other issues. Obviously, we know that Oxford did do a bit of testing uh, with some of those vaccines here, but is it, is it, it, does anyone have that fear in any sense that this vaccine might not potentially work well with us? I think, I think maybe for me, uh, what I would say is, yes, there's been good response uh, by government. So again, South Africa followed suit. Um, I think this week as well with Cyril uh, taking uh, his jobs. Um, but again, if you look at the leader in uh, the current vaccination, who is who has sort of like uh, vaccinated the most population per hundred people, um, that is Israel. I think they are close to eighty now. They've actually almost uh, vaccinated the entire population, and they've seen a lot of um, actual efficiency in terms of. Um, above 80% of, of success in asymptomatic cases. And that goes to show that, you know, um, there's actually a positive step uh, health-wise. Um, and I feel what African governments are going to do uh, following uh, the case of Rwanda is they're going to start with sort of like the frontline workers, so the healthcare uh, people who are actually most vulnerable. Yeah. And then look at the strategy that Israel employed where um, they started with, again, the elderly population um, and sort of did that first because then you, you are covering the, the most vulnerable people who would actually be infect the rest of the population. And then uh, you now move to the least um, vulnerable uh, population. So I feel like we have started we have made the necessary steps needed um, I, I'm, I'm very curious to see what um, Kenya's strategy will be uh, when uh, the vaccines uh, get here is it a week or two yeah next week uh, so because I expect again the frontline healthcare workers to be uh, taken Fast care of yeah. uh, because you remember I think earlier was it earlier this year or late last year when we had a lot of um, issues and cases with doctors succumbing to COVID-19 because they didn't get access to PPEs um, or medication or just proper um, proper ways to sort of protect themselves. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to Kenya's response to, to especially in vaccination rollout. 100%. And I, I, I did like this um, piece by the Africa CDC today uh, saying that potentially Africa will cover 35 to 40% of their, their population by the end of this year and potentially up to 60% of their population by the end of last year. Obviously very, very big steps um, in that regard. And overall, I think we have to give points and kudos to African governments uh, for taking very, very drastic steps to not only deal with this uh, crisis, but also work to ensure that um, the population is healthy. Um, economically, we are well sorted out. It's not the most optimal. Uh, we potentially do not have as good measures um, as most Western government in terms of protection majority of our population. Uh, but I do think that governments have done a very fair job in that. And that sort of like offers a very good segue towards the next topic, which is Africans leading multilateral bodies. Uh, we did see this week uh, Ngozi Iweala joining the World Trade Organization as the Director General. Uh, and we did see Maktad Diop, I hope I pronounced that correctly, yes. uh, joining in the IFC as the EVP and uh, Managing Director of that. And that's a very, very big step into it. And obviously we do not have a shortage of Africans leading bodies at the very top or doing a very fantastic job. We had Tijan Tiam at um, uh, Credit Suisse. Uh, we do have uh, people such as Adebayo Gundesi, 
who's uh, reading GIP and doing a fantastic job in fixing infrastructure across the world. But then, um, two things that I want to discuss from that is, do you think that now that we do have Africans at the very top of these bodies, these multilateral bodies that directly impact our economic well-being, that um, would have one, an effect on that? And second of all, I potentially want us to have a very brief discussion on the old age annoying concept of brain drain, which in my opinion, I feel is, excuse my French, a bullshit idea in, 20, in the 21st <laughs> century. So um, I think you should go first. Uh, what do you think about Africans, um, Africans joining, potentially joining uh, these large multilateral bodies? Hi everyone, uh, it's Felix here. So uh, first of all, before we proceed, I'll just say something. Tanzania, uh, you, guys, <laughs> you guys are here, and and, and, and now and, and now now you're seeing what's happening with Tanzania. First of all, uh, probably as we continue with COVID-19 in Tanzania, maybe one thing that they need to do is to account for all the funds that they received from the EU. Last oh, they year. did receive a bit of money. Yes, they did. for they COVID got. response. Yes, they actually they did. did. Oh, but the COVID doesn't exist in Tanzania. So, <laughs> <laughs> so where's the money? <laughs> exactly. So, so maybe that that's the first thing we need to. I hope that the government of Tanzania will, will, will work on that. And then another thing about, about um, you mentioned about Africans leading some of these uh, global uh, bodies. I think uh, to some extent, uh, I wouldn't say that it's an, an, it's an advantage for Africa. Um, these, 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 these leaders who have picked up uh, various posts in, in, in global organizations, I think they're picking them up uh, from a point of qualifications. And I think that's one thing that is good for, for, for the continent generally in terms of brand and image. Uh, but I think, you know, the main challenge that we have uh, from a local context is the main challenge that we have as African governments is it's not in terms of who's representing us anywhere. It's in terms of the governance systems that we have. So um, I don't think it's going to be any great effect or any great change considering also that these global bodies are, are, are being um, run not only by one individual, but by a board, uh, a larger board, and I think that's something that's going to be interesting to see. On a very exciting note, uh, the Mars Perseverance rover landed in Mars yesterday, <laughs> yeah. and, and, and we, got to be, we got to see uh, very new images of Mars for the first time since 2012. Yeah. Felix, have you bought land in Mars? <laughs> 50 or 100 plots. I know he has a telescope. I know he has a telescope. So they, yeah. he can see the land in Mars. I'm not sure he's bought it yet. This guy, hey, he has yeah. exposure there. Papa, yeah. obviously, it's it's exciting that one of your countrymen um, has gotten named to the IFC. And the one thing that I have to give uh, Senegal kudos for is having a lot of people in very, very high level positions across. Uh, you do not have a shortage of high quality talent. Um, and, and, and doing a fantastic job leading these bodies. What do you feel about this? And do you see any impact? Um, and have you previously seen any impact with uh, Senegalese citizens being at the very helm of these bodies before? Yeah, uh, I'll just take a step back and, and comment on Ngozi's uh, appointment at the uh, WTO. I think Ngozi's appointments and Mahta Job's appointment are extremely groundbreaking. Yeah. Because to take the example of the IFC, the IFC has never had a non-American or non-European CEO before. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the, the, the symbolic uh, impact of that is, is extremely uh, uh, significant. Yeah. Uh, Mahta, the, the new IFC CEO, has deep Africa uh, experience. He was a country manager in yep. Kenya. Yes, he was. So he understands the continent really well. And I think what's... And emerging markets as well. He exactly. did do a bit of work in Brazil. Yeah. So he has a wealth of experience across uh, many emerging markets. But I think to the, the most important thing is to understand the, the, the agendas that those organizations have. Yeah. And the reason why Mata is well positioned to deliver uh, IFC's agenda is that he understands emerging markets really well. Uh, IFC 3.0, which is the new initiative that IFC has been rolling out, focuses on emerging markets in the toughest countries. So we're not talking about the usual investments in South Africa, yeah. or Kenya, and Nigeria. Mm -hmm. We're talking about investments in Burkina Faso. And Eritrea. And Eritrea. <laughs> <you know? laughs> in really difficult markets, yeah. mm -hmm. that's where the organization is going. Mm -hmm. That's why Mahta's appointment is extremely important yeah. 
Mahtar doesn't have any bias about the continent. Mm-hmm. He will be able to. He's one of us. He's one of us. Yeah, yeah. 100%. he will be able to drive that agenda yeah. uh, forcefully, mm-hmm. uh, and I think that's an important step forward. Yeah. To come to the question about, I think brain drain, brain drain, mm. a little bit related to that. I think to take the example of Senegal, you're right. We have many high-profile uh, individuals, the World Bank Group, WTO, UN, etc. I don't necessarily think that it does a disservice to the country. Okay. As long as we can also make sure that locally, so in our countries, we can also have the same talent. Mahta is someone who studied, grew up in Senegal. Uh-huh. You know, and so many other examples as well. So I think what's important is to make sure that locally we build capacity in our universities. 100%. And we also uh, pay more attention to human capital which uh, also include things like soft skills. Mm-hmm. I think that's what's missing in, in, in some countries in, in Africa. Yeah. But I don't think that brain drain, which is essentially having Africans uh, you know, living or yeah. walking abroad. Mm. Like I'm Senegalese, but I, I walk mm. in Kenya. Yeah. I don't think it's brain drain. Mm. You know, it serves the common... It's, uh, 100%. I, mm. and, and, that's the, and, and before I come to you, Eric, it's the mm-hmm. one thing that I consistently feel about the idea of brain drain. It did crop up when Africa did have a shortage of human capital, but then Africa no longer has a shortage of whether domestically or globally. Mm-hmm. Uh, because we do not hear of the idea of brain drain when potentially talking about Sundar Pichai, uh, mm-hmm. the head of Google, or the guy who leads IBM now, or the guy who, who leads Microsoft. They're all Indians, but then you never get to hear of that idea of drain brain with India. Uh, and it's the same case that I want to potentially think about this continent as well because we do have um, very, very skilled individuals, people who are doing things at a very, very high level, building great and exciting companies and working on these great and exciting um, organizations across the world and having an impact. And I don't know what, Eric, you, you think about that space and the whole general idea of it because now it's no longer about having so many problems in Africa and stick yeah. in your continent and solve them, don't come to the US and do it, uh, which was the whole premise of the idea behind brain drain. Yeah, uh, and I think just to go back to uh, Dr. Ngozi's, uh, obviously, appointment, um, she has quite an impressive CV, uh, an, an actual uh, work done. So if you look at what she's been, been able to do uh, previously um, in initiatives, especially in low-income uh, countries, uh, in her tenure, say, at the World Bank, uh, there's actual, you know, track record of uh, having put in place uh, sort of like policies and having implemented projects. And even as finance minister for, for Nigeria, I think she's she's been instrumental in negotiating for, you know, like uh, debt, uh, you know, deals with the debtors where, you know, in some cases, I, I think there was a time um, she was able to get about 18 billion just written off uh, from credit and looking at where Africa is at the moment uh, where we have this recurring question about debt because again um, we took a lot of debt to to, uh, to uh, sort of manage the pandemic uh, and there's been countries that have actually been uh, they have a debt stress so to speak so having someone who has experience in these countries in the continent uh, that actually understands the problems of the continent from a, a country level having served as a finance minister to a world bank level having served there as well uh, is is very important now when you put that in the context of trade because we are looking at things like again the african continental free trade area coming into mm-hmm. into effect this year and you know what that what does that mean for trade for African countries, for Africa as a continent. Right. So having someone at the helm um, of the WTO is obviously very, very important, given that we can all agree that um, trade among African countries and as a block with the other uh, continents or countries is actually very, very important uh, in this day and age. So for me, I think it's 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 a big win. It's, it's, it's a very, very huge win, um, especially in the same week, uh, WTO and IFC. It's, it's amazing news, so I'm, I'm very, very excited. And, and guys, I'm sorry, but I have to throw this whole um, nationalism thing into the cards. Ngozi is obviously a very, very good candidate and fantastic candidate. But can you just be honest? Do you think Amina was a bit more qualified than she, was, she is in terms of dealing with trade issues? You were being very, very honest. No, she, she was, was not. not. 
Wow. <laughs> That's unanimous. We don't even know. <laughs> let's, let's, let's not discuss. <laughs> unanimous. She was Guys, um, <laughs> uh, we're just going to have to call the president and tell him that his people mm-hmm. do not actually appreciate uh, some of these candidates. I mean, Ali, I don't know if you have any opinions around um, having these Africans going to the very, very top of these organizations. And um, obviously, do you think it's going to have any impact on it? Uh, we, again, are not short of highly skilled Africans on this continent. I mean, we have people who are writing amazing code. We have Africans scaling at the very top of these organizations across the world. Heck, we have an African who owns Gatwick Airport. Um, <laughs> but then, yeah, goodness, he does own Gatwick. Right? Um, As a full episode. By the way, not many people know him. Not many yeah, people know him. So not many people know about Debayo Gundesi. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's a great, great, great guy. He's done fantastic work. He was on the Trump advisory, economic advisory. Yeah, of course. Trump had, Trump knows. <laughs> 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 so I don't know if you have any, then, any, any sort of thought process on that. I, I, I did have thought process, but then everything that I would what um said has already been said. So maybe I think moving on would be more prudent. Uh, Yunus? Yes, me. I think um, I think having an African representative in all these uh, big job positions, I will compare it to having, for example, when you celebrate having a woman leading a very big corporate. So you're providing an opportunity to have a voice that uh, was never even given before. So the same having um, Africans leading big corporations like AFC and WTO listening or getting insights from um, African perspective and not uh, the imposition of having uh, maybe a European representative or someone from the US from Switzerland. (laughs) It's it's something different. The same way you can compare to the tech industry. It's doing very well in Africa because we are providing solutions for actually things that are impacting us directly. So Uh, speaking on uh, Eunice, just word on Eunice comments. One of the things that um, I learned this week is that the initial team that wrote. Just word on what Eunice has said. Uh, I think it's a matter of skills. I think at the moment where we are, the continent, we have uh, more than enough skills to to, to share with the global. Uh, the, 100%. Yeah. So, but I think what stood out for me is, I think as I mentioned, is that. One of the things that I learned is that the initial team that wrote the code or built the Amazon Web Services was actually a company based out of South Africa. South Africa. Cape Town, yeah. Yeah, and eventually that's how what's the name? Uh, Andy just came out of that team yeah. and it's now leading mm. Amazon now. Exactly. Yeah. Oh shit! So it's an African who's leading Amazon now. Literally. Yeah, so <laughs> <laughs> no, sort of. He's South African. No, no. He's, he's not, not South African. Not, yeah. Not. Okay. Yeah. Great. Yeah. I mean, <coughs> and that sort of like segues into a very interesting uh, point where um, I think every single person here is deeply passionate about Africa and its transformation within our lifetimes. Actually, not yeah. within our lifetimes, within a generation. It's something that we can potentially achieve. And uh, Felix, I'm just curious, what do you think about this? Um, you've obviously got very, very deep uh, exposure to the capital markets and you've seen what kind of um, asset classes that investors are looking at and what kind of, and it just sort of like gives an outlook on what uh, the future of this continent looks like because again, investors are now just going to pump their money into things that they do not think have a future. So in a sense, what do you think of this whole whole thing? Well, um, I honestly believe that um, the African markets, in terms of capital markets, I think, I think our markets still have a very bright future. Uh, Here's one challenge that I, I always pose out to, to individuals, um, even if it's on the Kenyan market or on global markets. One thing that I usually uh, inform guys is that um, we need to have a lot of activity in terms of retail investing and even corporate investing. On, on our capital markets because you know if foreign investors um, are actively investing on, on on various capital markets within within the continent then I think that it basically shows you just what sort of resilience or what sort of um, future that, that our, our capital markets are probably holding yeah. um, an example is here in Nairobi we're constantly seeing foreign individuals uh, sustain uh, the activity on the market where you find if, if, if foreign investors are not on the market, we can't actually uh, probably even hit a turnover of, of 100 million, to be honest. So A million dollars? Yeah. 
it's 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 that bad. So you you'd imagine um, if 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 we don't have foreign investors hitting hitting onto the market, if you if if you if you get on the retail side, we can't. If if it's purely retailers, we can't even hit fifty million yeah. in terms of a daily um, turnover. Yeah. So if foreigners are constantly taking about seventy eight, at times even ninety percent of daily activity, it basically means that for them to bring in the investment to our capital markets, um, then basically shows that there's there's something they're seeing that we're we're yeah. most likely uh, mm-hmm. not seeing, and so that's a major challenge. Um, a, a, and it's not only here in Kenya. If you're looking on the other markets that are actually now trying to control, just to what extent that foreigners can actually invest in their capital markets. Um, we we we've seen countries like Nigeria, we've seen Algeria, we've seen Zimbabwe try to curb uh, foreign dominance on, on on their local markets. I think that's something that would be really interesting to see how it goes. Yeah. But I think it's also the challenge for 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 the local investors um because i i believe that you you can't stop someone from investing in in your country you can't stop guys from investing in your markets um as much as guys would always want to control the market um the the government would want to have a grip of the market by having a lot of local like local participation but you can never control if, if foreign investors want to invest on your market then yeah, it's yeah. up to the local guys to really counter what these guys have on the market so that's uh, something that's very interesting but i think our market still have we, we we have a long way to go and i think we're not going somewhere we're not going back we're actually going up we're, we're, we're looking at our indices gaining we're looking at prices we're seeing companies gaining because a lot of regulation is also coming in in in, in our markets we we're seeing a lot of um regulators trying to build in a few a few lapses that we've had over time like when it comes to regulation on corporate governance we're seeing a lot more fundamentally stable companies listing on african markets and also even those that are, that have listed are trying to uh, to at least correct in terms of places that they've had issues with corporate governance yeah. that's something that i really think we probably look into yeah you know and i think mm-hmm. i think just before you proceed um and i think within us we have the ceo for hisa who's trying to solve that problem so i, I think this is your sponsor segment asoma yeah <laughs> okay <laughs> <laughs> interesting I, I think looking at across african markets i uh, was looking at the data for the last few weeks and one of the things that stood out was that zimbabwe is actually one of those markets that um, registered very high turnover and even some of the counters that had um, uh, gained as much as possible. It is. Uh, v- very highly so and I think that could be a reason things to do with inflation and all that. Mm. But I think one of the challenges that we've had across most of the frontier markets is retail investors. It's hard for retail investors to participate uh, in their local markets. And that's one of the things that we are trying to solve at HISA. So our hope is to start with the local markets first, then open that across across other African markets. So I think it's, it's a learning journey for us to see how do we build infrastructure, the technology around this space, and then give Africans ability to access in African markets. And I, I absolutely know that you guys will crush it. I feel sad that we'll have to brush off over that issue because we have so much to talk about. I don't know. Maybe you can let us know. Do you want us to speak about less and less things in an in-depth <laughs> manner or more and more things in a whole sort of like touch and go manner? And because that 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 offers a very interesting segue in uh, in terms of. Africans' government and their averseness towards uh, cryptocurrencies. Mm-hmm. We did see Nigeria uh, doing a ban, a wholesale ban around anything. Uh, in fact, you have anyone in Nigeria who's trying to fund their crypto account having their bank account suspended, which is a bit ridiculous when you okay. ask me. Mm-hmm. It's not like something that we, we didn't experience here. Uh, it has happened in Kenya as well. But I'm just curious, um, why do you think African governments are very, very averse to crypto? Um, right at the moment where we are seeing every single sort of like corporate organizations and government starting to accept this um, not just as an asset class but also as a currency and second of all seeing a whole lot of price appreciation in this because we understand what crypto could potentially do for a lot of um, African governments here and African nations here from an economic perspective um, Felix please take it away here's the challenge if 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 um if if our government had put had put in the reserve fund, the Kenyan government, if they put in the reserve fund, when at the beginning of the COVID period, when they put in the the central bank um, 
reserve fund in in crypto man now we how much be, we, we, we how be, much uh, actually even if they just put just say um half a million no um half a billion can you manage half a billion as a country <laughs> right now half a billion dollars <laughs> Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think I think we actually can. Mm-hmm. Uh but if, if central bank could have put that that would have been some good money mm-hmm. instead of us continuing to borrow funds from IMF. Uh yeah, because I think I think we really we, I think was it on Tuesday when we received funds Long from Long learning debates. Oh. <clears throat> Okay, uh, disclaimer, that's just my personal opinion, <laughs> uh, but I think that's something that would have been interesting. Uh, looking on crypto with the African ban, I think it's very sad that um, some of these countries are trying to, 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 to probably uh, downplay crypto uh, and think that this is something that's not going to happen. Blockchain technology is here to stay, cryptocurrencies are here to stay. The main challenge, in my opinion, why I think countries are trying to probably regulate crypto is this we have countries we, we've seen uh, crypto and gold um, crypto and gold crypto gold and dollar domics whenever we have crypto rising we see the dollar lose and also gold will likely lose yeah um, actually I think this week for those of you who've been following markets if you're looking at gold ETFs how they've been performing uh, it, it, it's been on a downward trend uh, for the first time I think since 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 around January uh, 2020 which is something to, to, to look into. But my thought process is most of these, most of our reserve banks or most of our central banks have, have, have most of their the value, the, the currency value stored in gold. So these, 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 these countries and most of these, just an honest opinion, this is my personal opinion, I think they're trying to regulate this so that we do not have a lot of investors putting in more money into crypto. Another thing is we've seen Nigeria, I think, uh, according to uh, probably some some few uh, statements that I've, I've read from Nigeria, I think we discussed that last week, Eric, yeah. and, and we mentioned that um, the country had actually mentioned that uh, one of the main challenges they're receiving about crypto is is, is that it, it's being used a lot in in uh, in, in in money laundering, mm-hmm. and and one of the examples is, is these these um, phishing scams that we've had over time mm-hmm. on mail, and 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 if you've never received that email where you're being told you. You you ha- you had you have some 250 million stored somewhere, and you're required to send some money to Nigeria first. Those are some of the challenges that they were facing. But I honestly believe that some of these things, the Central Bank of Nigeria would have done way better in controlling uh, crypto and probably accepted the same way. The other day we saw South Africa form a task a task force to probably test and see uh, the performance of. of of blockchain, uh, specifically looking on, on cryptocurrencies. So I think that's something that um, it's a, it's a lengthy discussion whenever you talk about crypto. Yeah. But I think cryptos are here to stay, Eric. Um, and I, I would, on behalf of Nigerians, <laughs> please, Central Bank of Nigeria, can you please can you please allow us to trade? <laughs> anyway, uh, just, just Felix, just to hold your just to hold your your, your thoughts on on the IMF, um, and, and I want us to just dwell there, uh, just a little longer. Um, so obviously we've, we've, we've looked at the Kenyan government um, reaching an agreement with the IMF and yeah. also I think those uh, there's plans again to raise funds by the Eurobond. Yeah. Um, for me I think Another my question one? Is, is one. Yep. Um, so why is it that wherever uh, the IMF come to town taxes go up? Uh, maybe maybe just to start off before 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 <laughs> before I give it I give it to uh, to Papa to proceed. Can you guys? Do you guys know that Bolivia actually returned the funds that they received from? Yeah, did see that. That was yeah. amazing. Yeah, that was amazing. Oof. So so um, I don't know. Maybe Papa <laughs> can proceed from there. There's, there's a lot of aggression towards um, yeah. Bretton Woods institutions, but anyway, please. I wanted to touch on crypto first. Yes. Uh, <laughs> beat around the bush. <laughs> I wanted to touch on one shoot. Yeah, I just wanted to touch on what uh, Felix said about uh, crypto. I think the the reluctance or the skepticism about crypto is not unique to African governments or Africa. I think globally, a lot of leaders, a lot of smart people, Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, have raised concern and and even 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 doubt. Uh, against crypto. The issue that we have here is essentially trust. 
the reason why people value things like gold, money and the currencies is that it's a store of value, but there's also trust around uh, those instruments. There's a lot of uh, suspicion about crypto because of the illegal activities that sort of are embedded or that are also uh, inherent to the instrument. Mm -hmm. My concern is that we are actually focusing on the wrong uh, angle. I think the angle that we should focus on is essentially trust. How can we make sure that there are enough safeguards and governance around crypto? Not just in Africa, but even globally, so that people can actually be much more comfortable with it. The reason why when you go to DRC, for example, you don't use local currency, you lose US dollars yeah. in DRC, is a lack of trust. Yeah. And it boils down to that, whether it's in Nigeria, whether it's in Kenya or in Senegal, we need to make sure that people like Warren Buffett, Bill Gates, understand that there is a possibility and there's a need, of course, for better governance and much more trust with respect to crypto. Mm -hmm. So I don't think that we should sort of say that the, the reluctance is unique to Africa. I think it's a global debate yeah. that we should have about crypto. Okay. But then I, I think um, on the case of the African governments, it's extreme, and especially the banks, <laughs> uh, going to the extent again of uh, shutting down marketplaces and, you know, uh, having banks suspend accounts. Because uh, for me, that, that, that aggression is actually where we have an issue with, because um, prior to the Central Bank of Nigeria's ban, Nigeria was actually the second largest uh, crypto, market in, the crypto world. market in the world. You know, second, so bro, I yeah, tell you, the second largest. The, the IR, the, what, what's the FIRS in Nigeria? Yeah. Just realize, ah, they're not making money on this. Like, <laughs> <laughs> how we sell the smoke it? I, I believe that's, ah. that's the angle that they are going for. Yeah. Because again, uh, so so if you look at the issue of trust, uh, I, I get your point, but if you look at what blockchain, uh, what uh, cryptos are running on, which is blockchain, is actually a very um, trustworthy uh, technology so to s if, if I can put it that lightly because what that means is um, all transactions are basically on a public ledger which can be verified anytime and yeah. there's no way to actually alter those transactions so at the core of uh, blockchain and cryptocurrencies is is actually that trust element um, and that's why they have been used in uh, places like smart contracts because you know that if I have a contract with uh, you know Ali it's and we have agreed to that uh, he's not going to come and change the terms and it's basically something that anyone within our network can verify that is actually true so um, for me I feel like uh, and especially for the case of um, say uh, Nigeria's uh, Eric is is is, is uh, luring to uh, I feel like they realize um, there's a lot of moment there's a lot of money flows uh, so the initial excuse was it's affecting the Naira, which again, uh, I, I do not sense. believe oh it makes God. sense. Yeah. Um, so it's it's more of um, the government's not understanding the technology uh, and then reacting by basically shutting it down. Uh, and I think that's that's what happened even with the case of Kenya uh, a while back. Yeah. But all in all, uh, I hope that um, there's going to be that one government one of the progressive ones um, we are looking at you rwanda senegal ghana uh, mauritius uh, <laughs> because they are, they are more progressive in terms of policy um, and i saw south africa did uh, some policy geared towards actually enabling uh, crypto and looking more at that so we hope that one government at least sets the pace in the right direction of actually exploring use of cryptos uh, across yeah, I mean, Felix, you can chip in before we jump onto uh, potentially our last topic uh, because it seems like <laughs> we've overrun. <laughs> anyway, yeah. <laughs> okay. anyway um, I, I know, I know, I know, I, I know. The story about crypto is is very hot. Uh, everybody's interested in it. Maybe, maybe one thing that I would ask Papa to probably just uh, just his his personal uh, opinion though. Uh, we, we've seen companies like Mastercard. We've seen v Visa try to say uh, they, they're trying to make certain changes to allow payment or uh, through through blockchain uh, through crypto actually and, and 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 we've also seen companies yesterday we saw on Wednesday we saw Robin Hood actually say they will they will allow also as well withdrawals from sales proceed of sales on on, on um, 
from, yeah, yeah, on sales from from their markets uh, that that their users can be able to access through crypto. And we've also seen global um, giants. We've seen companies uh, like Tesla invest in bit in Bitcoin, and and and, and 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 we've also seen them also accept payment for actual cars in in, in Bitcoin. They've said they were they, they are going to set up uh, payment so that guys can actually pay for for Teslas through through Bitcoin. Do you think that this is something that's uh, that is going to build around that trust and confidence that you mentioned? I think so. Yeah, awesome. I think I think all the examples that you just mentioned mm-hmm. will help build that trust yeah. and build much more credibility for the for the instrument. Yeah. And 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 I think what's interesting is that, like let's say in, in the U.S., mm-hmm. people who have concerns about bitcoins are typically people from what we call like the old generation, yes. the Warren Buffett, the Bill Gates who maybe don't have enough understanding about the product. It's amazing that companies such as Tesla are actually pushing that agenda forward and then some of the you know, uh, payment companies that you mentioned as well are also yeah. helping in building that credibility. Yeah, and I think maybe uh, the other thing, Eric, that mm-hmm. is interesting to watch, especially this year around crypto, is Coinbase IPO. Yeah. Because again, that would be Not like sure. essentially a, credibility, a, yeah. a, a, a private company going public yeah. that actually exclusively deals Deals-ing in crypto. crypto yeah. So, uh, and for me, I get uh, I'm waiting to invest in Coinbase. Interesting. Uh, me too, hundred percent. And one of the things that came out this week was that actually Coinbase handled the the Tesla transaction of 1.5. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And you know what? There's actually disclosure that they have five mm-hmm. other corporates. Um, yeah, they Major. have five Fortune, other 500, Fortune 500 companies. companies. So it's yeah. only Tesla that has gone public with their with their, um, uh, their Bitcoin on their yeah. on their hold. Yeah. And I'm sorry. Today we won't get to tackle every single thing that we <laughs> wanted to. <laughs> so, um, so we'll just d- dive right into companies going public, and uh, we have to speak a bit about Sparks. Uh, so and speaking about Sparks, we'll have to just dive right in into Tijantium. Um, so anyone who knows me knows I'm a fanatic, uh, mm-hmm. a fanboy. Fanatic <laughs> is not the word. I'm a fanboy of Tijan and what he's be able, been and, able and to that's, do. that's just how you, 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 you um, left Chamath. I am a fanboy, a very black, <laughs> 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 a minority person. Any minority person. Actually, my business partner think I'm crazy about Chamath because we relate the same. Anyway, but... I, I mean, I'm a huge fan of what Tijan has been able to do uh, across his career, leading credit source and everything else. And uh, right on, we learned a few weeks back that he's assembled a team of killers, um, launching a $250 million yeah. spark, uh, backed by both Pim, Pimco and um, JP Morgan. Obviously, speaks highly about his credibility as an individual and the team has been able to, assemb- uh, to assemble. And what they're going to do is they're investing in financial services companies um, across the emerging markets. So this is not particularly a new model. Atlas Mara tried to do it, albeit on a very smaller scale. But then obviously, um, this just gives a lot of credibility to what Chama and his team are doing. And uh, uh, Papa right here, who's a guest on us today, did write a very, very interesting piece on, uh, on Kenyan Wall Street, uh, speaking about that and what it truly means, and I, I don't want to dilute it. I feel like uh, that would be adding too much water to the broth. <laughs> it's not my place to do it. So maybe Papa can speak a bit about the article, uh, what he thinks about this, and generally why he has a bit of confidence in uh, in this direction. Sure. I'll start with something you just mentioned. Spikes are not new. So yeah. it, it is not a new instrument or a new uh, asset class, but. Uh, right now, it's the new, you know, wave. Uh, it's a new wave. It's a uh, it's a new trend. Um, I think so far in the U.S., twenty six billion dollars have been raised mm-hmm. by SPACs. I think yeah. uh, since the beginning of the year, uh, which is a huge number. I think the, the the interesting about SPACs is that they basically give a lot of leverage to people. Uh, behind them. So as you mentioned, Tijan Cham is someone who has a lot of credibility. So as an investor, you're literally relying on his uh, expertise, on his network of relationships across Europe and across emerging markets to find the right deal in the financial services space. Tijan is someone who's been always passionate about Asia, and oh, yeah. who, who he actually did drive through more towards tried, Asia. Yes, yeah. exactly, yeah. exactly. And he knows Europe uh, extremely well. 
So SPACs, just to explain how they're structured, they're literally, uh, you know, uh, blank check companies uh, that actually take companies public through reverse mergers. So they would actually list and then merge with a company in a way to take them uh, public. So that way makes them a little bit different from, let's say, a typical IPO. Yeah. And uh, many credible investors have started SPACs. You mentioned Shamat, Tijan Cham, Bill Ackman, who raised yeah. Yeah. The, the largest SPAC. The biggest SPAC, with, yeah. 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 Almost five billion. Oh, Masa, Masa, Masa yeah, is also doing one? Yeah. Really? Oh, shit. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone is announcing. Oh, shit. Guys, uh, I'm sorry, but we're also raising the Curious LLP. Yes. Soon enough. Yeah, but I think, Papa, from your article, so so I read it and I, I asked me the, the question because you, from your deduction, you expect him to um, invest in companies in uh, Latam or Asia. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I couldn't help but think, uh, why not Africa? Because we have companies that fit his bill. So if you're looking, if, if we can get together what Jumo, Flutterweb, mm. you know, five such companies um, that actually have that scale of, um, of actual volumes and are in that space of payments, um, why did you look at Latam and Asia and not um, companies in Africa that could actually fit the bill? It's a good question. My opinion is that uh, the way... So so I read the, the thing, it's like 140 pages that they published. The prospectus. Mm-hmm. The prospectus, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, and what they mention is that they will target select African countries. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Which basically means they would target Kenya, South, South Africa, Africa yeah. Nigeria. and Nigeria. Yes. That's, That's it. it. The end. Right? So yeah. We're looking at three countries on the continent. But I think the, the reason why I don't believe that they will be looking for or actively closing deals in Africa is that sparks are easy to raise, and this is something Shamat has mentioned, yep. but very difficult to execute. To execute. True. 100%. And when you look at the fee structure, it makes much more sense to have a very large transaction in Asia or in Latin America, maybe $100 million in Asia, $100 million in Latin America, collect the fees, move on to a new SPAC. Okay. And I think that brings me to the, to the dangerous aspect of SPACs is that mm-hmm. sometimes the, the interest of maybe the sponsors are not aligned with the interest of public investors. Yeah. Uh, that's why I fundamentally don't believe that TJAM will be targeting African companies because it would be extremely difficult to execute and he wouldn't want to actually take that reputational risk. He would rather do straightforward deals in Asia, in Latin America, collective fees, set up a new spy. Sure. But that's just my opinion. Okay. <laughs> I, I quite agree with you because um, if you're looking at potentially getting exposure to a bank that is operating in a, uh, African markets with enough credibility, enough scope, enough size. How many banks are you looking at? Echo, Access, UBA, mm-hmm. potentially Equity Bank? Not you're yet. done. Not yet. You, you're <laughs> done with the list. Uh-huh. You're done with the list. Mm-hmm. So if you're trying to do a Pan-African-wide transaction, either the ticket sizes or some of those banks are so small, yeah. or even the large banks have such narrow scopes in terms of coverage of the African market, which is not the same case as in Asia or as in Latin America. So I sort of like quite understand. So he potentially would get involved in a very small transaction here, but it still wouldn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So our wait for the sparks in Africa continue? Yeah, we have to wait. I mean, Eric, <laughs> you have a company right here. Do you want us to make it public? No, no. Oh, he, look he's, at him. Here's my idea now. <laughs> I have the dreams of going public someday. 100%. Um, I honestly believe we'll see a spark. On the continent this year, we will. Uh, so hopefully Kenya, Nigeria, or South Africa, one of one Flutter of those guys. Flutterwave, Flutterwave would I make be- a very very good Zumo, candidate. Like they're really really um, yeah. big companies, or you know, quite sizable yeah. that could actually list thirty percent what they are. But do you think that it would make much more sense for them to take the SPAC route or to just? Do a typical IPO. I think it didn't make much more sense to do a typical IPO. In my opinion, a a good way. I think one of the companies (laughs) that will easily fit in there will be InterSwitch. I think InterSwitch is already listed public. Yeah, 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 public. public. I feel like on this continent, um, 
it's just with a spark it's just little confidence from western investors who would be the majority investors in that so the traditional ipo route with the typical institutional guys would make much more sense for the credibility perspective of it because i mean imagine uh flutter wave listing and then getting a valuation of what like 500 million dollars this is a company that did 7.5 billion dollars yeah. in transactions last yeah. year but i mean it's, it's highly <laughs> again the ipo I, I, I don't think the ipo makes sense for them yeah um, they would rather they would rather do a spark because yeah. um, 7.5 billion is that, that's quite that's quite sizable yeah, but yeah. they would obviously be very undervalued on 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 any IPO listing, IPO listing because yeah. again primarily those markets do not understand Africa well enough not yet yeah. yeah so guys um I'm sorry if today we touched a lot of things and not in depthly as you'd have hoped but um we were trying to race against time to cover everything that we hoped we didn't even get to half of the things um I'm also sorry that the ladies in the group today <laughs> decided, decided not to not speak to other than Eunice uh, <laughs> the two minute contribution no, Anna, you have to say hi. yeah Anna, Anna do you want to say hi hi <laughs> <laughs> there you have it folks <laughs> that's the deepest insight from Anna today yeah. so drop Felix drops mic <laughs> yes uh final thing as usual we always call shots Oh yeah. Yes. Are we are we are we calling shots on Bitcoin? Is it is is Bitcoin going to go to the moon? To the moon. Of course. Of course. 284 ah. kilometers 835. <laughs> 284,834 miles. My man, my man, my Two man, kilometers? my man. I don't know. Are we are we no <laughs> by by less. the way uh, 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 as at now Bitcoin is already at 54. 50, I'm just hoping that Bitcoin yes, goes wow. to whatever levels it's going to go so that Chamat can buy out the Hamptons and call them Hamptons. And then and buy Goldman Sachs. Buy Goldman Sachs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then and then he's a very important thing that that yeah. someone just tweeted out today. If 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 um if Warren Buffett had invested all his his, his net worth in in Bitcoin in 2009, yeah, you'd actually be worth 719 trillion US dollars today. That's that nuts. is obscene. Then you'd give every American a trillion dollars and still have yeah, 400 trillion left. Wait, but there's only 21 million Bitcoins. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and to that, to that, that end, with that possible. misinformation, <laughs> um, thanks so much for tuning in. The humor, the jokes. And this was fun. Uh, see you on the next one. And we promise to cover less and talk more. <laughs> bye bye. And uh, nice. just before we go again, um, check out our sponsors, the Hisa app. Uh, it's available on the Google Play Store and the Android App Store. It's the best place to get information on markets, both um, local and global, as well as amazing podcasts like this one and more others. Thank you so much and goodbye. Let me let me drop an Easter egg in there. <laughs> so if you listen to it. the to this podcast, um, in two weeks' time, you're going to see data from ten African markets beyond just the Ooh, Kenyan market. Nice. Right. So drop us some comments. Nice. See you guys right. on Hisa. See you guys on the next one. Adios and thanks for tuning in. Over and out. <laughs>